Good morning, everyone. Hope you are all doing well as we are going through the seven deadly sins. Today, we're going to be talking about sloth. Uh-oh. I know, and, and I, I got to tell you, I've been on quite a journey with sloth <laughs> for uh, the past two weeks. In fact, I've ended up somewhere very differently than what I just kind of uh, conceptualized sloth to be. In fact, I was joking with my wife Shannon a couple of weeks ago when I was telling her that that I was going to be talking about sloth, and I said, maybe I'll just show up late that day and just say, eh, I didn't get around to it, and and she's like, no, don't do that. (laughs) I'm like, all right, so I dove into it, and it's been an interesting journey, and what honestly I thought was going to be kind of one of these duh kind of messages like, you know, don't be lazy and, and stuff like that. It's actually uh, became very, very rich as I dove into Scripture and, and really uh, God's idea on, on sloth. You know, and it's interesting, you think about sloth and as, it, as it being included in the seven deadly sins, right? Like, I mean, how many people have, have died by watching, uh, a, you know, uh, a marathon of, of The Office or something like that, right? Binge watching The Office or something like that. Uh, you, know, you know, you think about it and, and it's like, well, why? You know, we can get greed being a deadly sin or gluttony being a deadly sin, but sloth, you know, you know, it's like, eh, you know, just, you know, what's the big, big deal? In fact, I was uh, out riding yesterday and riding with uh, a guy that I affectionately uh, call Centaur, because it's like haunches, like he's horseman. His his haunches are huge, and we're and we're we're talking about it, and 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 he's he's like, "What are you preaching on tomorrow?" And I and I said, "Sloth." And he's like, "Oh, you know, sloth." And he's like, "I wouldn't see, you know." He's like, "I know that's a seven, one of the seven deadly sins, but you know, what's the, you know, is it really like that bad and everything?" And we started talking about it. I was sharing some different things that uh, I'd come across. And, and one of the, the big things is that I believe after just kind of uh, reading scripture and, and really looking at the, the path of our, our country and our world, that sloth actually may end up being one of the deadliest sins in the 21st century. And uh, this is why I, I, say, I say this. Uh, where uh, hundreds of years ago, the Industrial Revolution overcame the limitations of the human body. Artificial intelligence is coming, and they promise that it's going to overcome the limitations of the human mind. In fact, CNN, The Economist, uh, uh, the Bank of England, and, and lots of tech uh, uh, rags and magazines and things like that are predicting in the next 10 years, 30% of uh, all jobs will be done by artificial intelligence. And then in 20 years, 50% of all the jobs today will be done by robots and uh, artificial intelligence. And Reading and just uh, just like uh, there's a, a this kind of this upswell of what do you do with humanity when humanity is no longer needed, right? And 
And, and obviously, all these are written from a secular worldview, but, but the reality is that uh, in the United States, 60% of Americans don't work right now. And if in 20 years, 50% more, that'd be 80, that will be 80% of, of Americans who are not in the workforce. And, and Christians believe that, that work and productivity is a blessing from God. We also know that uh, idleness is the devil's workshop, that, that we get ourselves into trouble when we're idle. And I think that all of us, you know, maybe just sitting here and just like, oh, if I didn't have to work, I would have so much more time to serve the Lord and do all these good things. But historically speaking, um, uh, uh, those who win the lottery don't give more. Those who retire don't serve more. They may have these kind of uh, ideas in their head, but the reality is that, that when we stop moving, that we become very complacent. Now, sloth, as the Bible uh, uh, defines it, is spiritual or emotional apathy, or being physically and emotionally inactive. And, you know, one thing in like the church world and, and the nonprofit world, there's an axiom that says this, that, that if you want something done, ask a busy person to do it. Because the reality is that, that for most of us, time is not really the issue, it's desire. It's desire to say, you know what, I am willing to sacrifice this or that in order to do this for the kingdom of God. And just as we talked about, about greed, that, that demand always reaches supply. And if you're sitting around and you don't find yourself motivated or want to serve the Lord or others uh, now in the, in the context of your time, having more time is not going to change that. It's not a time problem. It really comes down to a lordship and hardship, a heart-heart issue. Uh, Paul writes in Romans chapter 12 this about serving others and not uh, falling prey to being a sloth or spiritual apathy. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. And then verse 11, which will be on the screen, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope and, and put that in your mind, that confident hope. Rejoice in confident hope. We're gonna talk about that a little bit later. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help. Always be eager to practice hospitality. And the reality is, like it or not, action is the manifestation of belief. When you take action, you are making a statement of belief. Remember when we did the uh, Man on a Wire series, right? Or Faith on the Wire. And talking about that, that shifting from the uh, World Trade uh, Towers to, to that, uh, that, that wire. 
It was a statement of belief that that wire would hold, and it was a statement of belief that inside of him that he believed that he had done the training and, and the preparation in order to walk across. When we tithe, it is a statement of belief that, that God will take care of us financially. When we serve, that, that it is a statement of belief that, that, you know what, even though our time is limited, God will multiply our time and our efforts when we serve. And the reality is that action is the manifestation of belief. James says it this way. He says that what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it in your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye, and have a good day, stay warm, and eat well. But you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. If, uh, unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Some may argue some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. <laughs> That's how I read it. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? And then if you go all the way down to verse 26, and it'll be on the screen. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also is faith dead without good works. Now, before you think that, you know, E3 and, and I believe that you have to work for your salvation, that's not what we're saying. That we are saved by grace. We are saved by grace. But the other thing is, the other side of that is also true. We are saved for a purpose. We are saved for service. We are saved to be the ambassadors of Jesus Christ in this lost and hurting world. We are saved to be a light in a dark world. We are saved to be the salt that, that preserves and brings flavor to the gospel in this lost and hurting world through tangible acts of love and good deeds. And when we don't act, when we, we do not act on this faith that we are falling into this, this, this sin of sloth. And a lot of times we think, well, maybe sloth is just a, a, really a sin against myself because I'm not going to be all I can be, right? That, that if I'm just sitting around, maybe I won't, I won't become, you know, the person that, that God has envisioned for me, which is true. But also when we are a sloth, a hungry person goes unfed. A lonely person stays isolated, that a cold person freezes, that, that children go 
and grow up without being shown and taught the gospel of Jesus Christ. That, that people who desperately need to uh, be discipled uh, go and try to figure it out on their own. That when, and it is not only deadly for our soul, but it is deadly for everyone else's soul and it is deadly for the world. We are saved by grace, but we are also saved for a purpose. The reality is, though, and this is where kind of a big kind of turn for me in this whole idea of sloth really uh, got traction, was this idea that, that actually despair and depression and hopelessness are closely related to sloth. You ever think about it that way? Because the reality is um, that that our spiritual ancestors did not really define sloth as lazy, but rather excessive pity, a self, a sad self-centeredness of the heart all curled up into itself. Andrew Solomon wrote a book uh, back in 2000 uh, called The Noonday Demon. And actually, he took this phrase from uh, the early Egyptians, and the noonday demon was depression. It was uh, somebody would have the noonday demon when they would get around to noon during the day, and they would give up on, on the day, that they would just say, what does it matter? You know, it's kind of the, you know, the Eeyore syndrome, Right? I don't know if you ever, you know, watched the Hundred Acre Woods and everything, but Eeyore was kind of as a donkey, he was a sloth as well. You know, that, that he was, he despaired, he, had, he uh, was hopeless, that, that Tigger or Rabbit would come up with a plan and Eeyore would say, probably doesn't matter anyway, Right? <laughs> And this is, the, this is the sloth where we, we look and we say, you know what, it probably doesn't matter anyway. This is the noonday demon that says, you know what, our actions, our passion, our efforts do not make any difference. It probably doesn't matter anyway. And let me tell you right here and right now that your actions do matter that your dedication does matter, your service does matter, your giving does matter. Not only for everyone else, but for you and your soul and your relationship with God. In a book that Eric and I have been uh, reading together for, uh, to prepare for this series, it's called Sinning Like a Christian. And, uh, and the author's name, and I think his parents should be sued, his name is William H. Williamum. I know, who does that to their kids? So, Will Will. So, he, Will Will wrote, writes this. Will Will writes. That reminds me, this, this is a bonus. My, uh, my niece is named Laurel, but when she was a little kid, she couldn't say Laurel, and, and she would call herself Wo-Wo. And, and being the good uncle that I was, I'd tease her. I'd be like, what's up, Wo-Wo? And, and she would like get all indignant. She'd be like, it's not Wo-Wo, it's Wo-Wo. <laughs> laugh and laugh and laugh. But now she does all her like Instagram and Twitter is at Wo-Wo. Uh, so she embraced it, but it was hilarious. So, if you ever want your kids teased, 
bring him over to Pastor Mark. So, so, but the reality, okay, back to, back to what we were talking about. Will uh, uh, Will, whoa, whoa, uh, said this, sloth eats away at the soul, extinguishes faithful fire, and thus takes its toll, wearing down the soul by slow degrees. I just thought that was such a powerful statement of, of really talking about sloth. And, and, and sloth isn't like this, you know, big, you know, explosive thing that, that destroys your life all at once. It's this slow erosion where, where you keep on believing more and more the myth that it probably doesn't matter anyway. Dante writes... Uh, that, that in, in his vision of purgatory and hell, that this noonday demon was uh, halfway between the beginning of your life and, and the end of your life. And you get into this midlife crisis kind of idea and you have a choice. You either go back down the hill and call it quits or you keep on climbing. And sloth is the idea that you stop or you go back down and you, you cease taking ground. The reality is what many people call doubt, when we call doubt in the, in the Christian world, is actually sloth. It's actually sloth. What many people call doubt is actually sloth. Because faith requires an active response. Engagement with God a willingness to be formed and transformed by God's work in us. That is what an active Christian life looks like. That's why Jesus calls us to follow him. It is an active response to a calling, not, not an a, uh, introspective uh, time of contemplation. We are saved by grace, but we are saved for a purpose. One of the greatest illustrations that I think has been lost on us in the 21st century is when Jesus was talking in Matthew 11, verses 29 and 30, talking about the yoke, right? And I never really understood this as a kid because I always, like, nobody ever explained to me that that's a yoke with the cows, I always thought it was like a yolk of egg, and like, that just didn't make any sense. Like, take my yolk, and you know, Jesus laying eggs? Like, I don't get it. This makes a heck of a lot more sense. Eat more chicken, right? Uh, look at that one. Look at that. It's not a chicken, but the ox. The one, if, like, on your right. Look at that look. That's just like, why are you taking my picture? Like, isn't it bad enough that you put this yoke on me? Now you're going to humiliate me and put me on the internet? That's what that ox is thinking. It does have a broken horn, does it? No, he doesn't. He's all right. All right. So that's a yoke. And the interesting thing about a yoke is that, in Jesus, that Jesus in Matthew 11 says, Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Wait, go back to the, the oxes. Thanks. Now, 
just go with me, okay? Because this is not a, pit, a vision that that's you and Jesus, okay? <laughs> I know, I just said go with it, all right? For, the, for the, this illustration that, that the yoke is you and Jesus. Now, what's a yoke meant to do? Yeah, you're pulling a load. You're multiplying the effort that, that it's, a, it's a heavy load, but because there's two ox there, that the load, you work together in order to, in order to accomplish a purpose. And this is the illustration that Jesus is trying to say is take this yoke upon you that you and I together will accomplish something. That, that you know what? If you take a, the yoke of life on yourself, it will wear you down. You will not be successful. But the other great thing is that I'm entrusting you. I'm inviting you to be part of my ultimate plan. And I will not leave you. We will do this together. And we will work in tandem to, to move forward, move forward. And uh, sorry, that's, that's my dad. That, that's just... That's just that bluegrass jokes in me that it come out every so often. To move forward uh, together. And I think it's a, it's, a, it's a much more powerful kind of image than Jesus laying eggs, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's very interesting. You're very good. So sloth is doubt that God has given us what we need to succeed, if you really think about it. When we fail to act, that, that uh, and we are engaging in being sloth, like uh, the sin of sloth. It really is doubt. It's doubt that God has given us what we need to succeed. And you think about it, and you think about, you know, all the, the different ministries that have started. You think about all the different things that happen, that somebody had to take that step of faith. And believing that, that, you know what, God is sufficient. That God has entrusted me and God is faithful and we will be able to accomplish this. And when we fail to act, it really comes down to that, that bottom just kind of ugly thing called doubt. You know, one of the, the big questions that that uh, life coaches and pastors and, and stuff like to ask people is, if you couldn't fail, what would you do, right? Have you ever heard that question? If you couldn't fail, what would you do? And the reality is that, well, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, everybody, something's come to mind, right? That I'd win the Tour de France, you know, I don't know. Uh, you know, if you couldn't fail, what would you try to do? But the reality is that there is the possibility of failure in everything we do. When my family and I came and joined with some people in Tallahassee to start E3, there was a definite chance that it would fail. When we, six or seven years ago, started Red Eye in Midtown, there was a possibility of failure. We had doubt. But going back around and saying and looking and saying, look at everything that God has entrusted us with. And has God called us to be a reservoir or a conduit of his love and mercy to a lost and hurting world? And really coming to the point and say, I would rather fail in trying to follow Christ than 
to be safe and, and be in the sin of sloth. Because faith is manifested through action. And ultimately, I want to land uh, here is that a fruitless life is the harvest of a sloth. A fruitless life is the harvest of the sin of sloth. If you turn to your Bibles to John chapter 15, and this is on your fridge fold as well, Jesus gets real, real here. Like, just lots of clarity. He says this, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do not bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned by and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. So here we have two things, right? That it's talking about getting severed and thrown away. And then the other one is being pruned back. There's, you know, there's these two different options. And it's like, look, if this, if this part of the tree is just not producing anything and it's, and it's actually making this, the tree sick, not according to me, but according to Jesus, it's like, cut that off. But, also, but, if, but if it's just that, that it needs to be pruned, he's like, do that as well. And, and it produces health. Verse five, he says, yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. You see, this is expected. This is not hopefully, but they will. This is faith. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my word remains in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandment and remain in his love. I've told you these things so you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I will no longer call you slaves because a master does not confide in slaves. Now you are my friends. Since I have told you everything the Father told me, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command, love each other. In verse 11, Jesus says that, uh, that abiding in him will bring joy, overflowing joy. And, 
And the reality is, if you really think about it, that, that sloth is the antithesis of joy. That sloth is the antithesis of hope. That sloth is the antithesis of faith. That when we are connected and abiding in Jesus, when we are connected and being filled with him, that, you know, it's not a theory that we will produce fruit. It is expected that we, that, that we are, yes, saved by grace, but we are saved for the purpose. And one of the biggest lies the enemy has ever perpetrated on the church is it doesn't matter anyway. It does matter. You matter. Your actions matter. Your service matters. Your love matters. Your giving matters. Your thoughts matter. Your energy matters. And you know what? Because someday you may have more time, you think that you will, will serve more, it's a lie. The time is now. This place, the place is here. I don't know what your part in the kingdom is. I don't know what is undone that you have been placed in this planet, in this city, in this time, and been resourced with, with experiences and passion and insight to do. But there is something. And the sin of sloth, that if you are consumed by it and you believe the, the lie, it doesn't matter anyway, that it's not only yourself that is being hurt. It's not only yourself who's not going to reach some sort of personal uh, self-fulfillment you know, or, or goal. It's everyone around you suffers. Every beautiful thing in this world started because somebody said, you know what, I'm going to act. I'm going to take a step. I am going to create this. I am going to support this other thing. I am going to give toward this. I am going to serve with this organization. I am going to make my life matter because it is not a theory that my life should produce fruit by being connected with Jesus Christ, but it is part of being in Jesus Christ that our lives will produce fruit that will not only be a blessing and joy to us, but will be a blessing to everyone around us and the world. Will you guys pray with me?